Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Hey, Iron Radio listeners. This is ironradio.org. I'm Robert Fortress Fortney, former editor at Muscle Mag International, former competitive bodybuilder, and current uh, strength training enthusiast, powerlifter, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, this is Phil Stevens. I'm a strength coach. I'm a powerlifter, Highland Games athlete. Um, I renovate houses on the side, just my own. I'm, I'm a natural, organic farmer, and friends of our guest, uh, Jude Howe. And uh, I'm just all kinds of stuff, man. So You are. <laughs> <laughs> Jude, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, again, my name is Jude Howe. I'm a uh, strength coach here in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm also a uh, level one uh, IKFF uh, kettlebell instructor and a senior instructor with uh, Kettlebell Concepts uh, Incorporated out of New York City. Yes. And I'm the owner of the Austin Underground Strength Academy. And you can find that at www. <laughs> ForteFunctionalStrength.com. There you go. I had to get that pimp in there. Um, I wanted to talk about uh, the seminar we got coming up, the Strength Guild Master Craftsman Conference. Um, mm. Really want to push that out. I think it's, you know, honestly, sure, I'm a little biased, but it's the best thing that's been out there in years. I mean, we got 15 of the best and brightest athletes and coaches coming under one roof for one day for one hell of a price. <clears throat> Um, and where can they find out information about that, Phil? They can go to www.strengthguild.com. And, and, you know, and you know what, folks? Um, if you're on the fence or even just not even considering it, do at least go to the website and check out what it is all yeah. about. Um, you might change your mind. And like I said, if there's any possibility that you can do it, um, it would be a, a considerably good investment, I think. And and. and we're gonna have a good time, so yeah. at least go and check it out, and you know, and see the details of what's happening, and uh, you know, if you know anybody who uh, might want to come out, yeah, yeah, they can go to. Go ahead, Jude. Well, I was gonna say this is gonna give people a real opportunity to uh, sit down and listen and ask questions from folks from all the different disciplines in the world of strength. Yeah. Usually, when you go to a conference like this, it's you know, just a kettlebell guy, or it's just an Olympic lifting guy, or the power lift. You're gonna have a chance to kind of grill. When I, what, we got 14 people coming on uh, on other different disciplines in our field, and that's, uh, you're just not going to get that kind of chance anywhere else. And I'll, I'll go ahead and list who's there, but first I just want to talk more about what's going to go on because people might be confused about that. What we're going to do, um, I've been to a lot of seminars and a lot lately, and the ones I've seen that are most successful are set up in a Q&A fashion. So what we teach is going to be ran by what you want to learn. Um, we're going to have three tables set up with five people, five of us coaches at each table, and then three groups of you, and you're going to get like three hours with each of those groups, and everybody's going to get asked questions, and then you'll switch tables. And, you know, you ask, we answer. Um, so, you know, like I said, I mean, if you don't get what you want, it's your own fault because you didn't ask it. Um, it's going to be exactly built around what you want, and you're going to have three different chances with three different sets of coaches from all over the, the strength fields to, to ask whatever and the hell you want. And plus, we have lots of naked girls. Yeah, and buffets, because um, we're in <laughs> Vegas. 
So, buffets of naked girls. Yeah. yeah. Um, to get to give a rundown of who's there it, for the first time since Iron Radio has been you know in existence, you'll have uh, all the hosts here. Uh, Dr. Lonnie Lowry, Phil, myself, and uh, Rob Fortney will be in the same room speaking for the first time. And then joining us is going to be, well, Jude is going to be there. We've got Jim Windler, Mark Bell, Jesse Burdick, Ian King, Kiefer, uh, my beautiful wife, uh, Troy Paradiso, Tammy Lacey, Jay Bell, Sean Casey, and Ryan Horn. Um, so there you go. you, you got a, just a ton of people, and it, it's 250 bucks. You get us all day from the from the butt crack in the morning till till evening and then we'll all go to a buffet and who knows what happened after that so good of you to join us in another sterling victory over the forces of evil food fight there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. okay well you know uh before we get into the topic of day and all that kind of stuff um and talk to our our guest i'd like to uh, chime in here on this uh of this recent news of uh a gentleman by the name of Benedict Magnuson, for those who are not aware of this person, who has just uh, set the new all-time high deadlift record at 1,015 um, at the Ronnie Coleman Classic. Um, he did this raw, of course, and of course raw means less when it's concerning the deadlift, but still, it, it, you know, um, you know, certain equipment can age, you know, 40, 50 pounds in the deadlift. So, um, yeah, so this gentleman just beat Andy Bolton's record. What, hey, Phil, what was Andy Bolton's record? It was uh, like 1,008 or something? Yeah, 1,008. Yeah, and you know the, he he went in and he beat the all time raw deadlift record, and then this was like a month after, and he came in and smashed the just the total uh, ever deadlift and made it look uh, made it look like me picking up like seven hundred. It was stupid. Oh, bragger. <laughs> <laughs> and for those and for those that don't know, um, yes, we, we do have one of the finest uh, drug free lifters here. Unequipped lifters, um, as one of our hosts, Phil is a uh, is a freak of deadlifting prowess. So uh, yeah, nothing. It's, it's cool to have him chime in on this whole thing. But you know, um, it's it, you for our listeners go on YouTube. Of course, I'm sure everybody does, but you can go on there and actually see it from two or three different vantage points. Um, just go a thousand fifteen deadlift in the search engine and type it in. You'll see there's two or three different videos that people captured of it, and it was pretty interesting how he pulled it too. Because I mean, he kind of started like you know two feet in front of the bar then kind of rolled it into his shin and just as it was coming into his shin he put, picked it up i thought that was kind of neat yeah. Yeah, it's very very unorthodox but i mean you know, i actually teach people not to do that but i can't i can't argue with it you know well yeah if it works it works <laughs> yeah it worked for him i'm not going to argue i'm not going to be one of those people that yeah, but your form sucked, dude. It was a thousand fifteen. Yeah, you know what? When people are pulling a dead, <laughs> limit deadlift, I don't care if it's four hundred or seven hundred or a thousand. When you're pulling your limit deadlift, let's face it, man. Pretty much everybody's form starts breaking down. Exactly, and you I know, mean, and and I always say that if you pull a limit deadlift and it looked perfect, it really wasn't your limit deadlift. Yeah. And <laughs> that that was a beautiful lift by any account. So yeah. But I also would like to say something just briefly about the, I mean, and we, we all know that the, the commentary on YouTube is usually less than educated and stellar. Um, but, you know, just the overriding nonsense and buffoonery of some of the people who, who you know, here's a guy that just pulled 1,015, which is by anybody's measure that has a, even an inkling of a clue of weight training is an otherworldly achievement. And you get these people in there and say, he's fat. Yeah. yeah. Or, or my favorite comment on there. I bet this guy can't run a marathon. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. 
99.9% of people can't run a marathon. What the hell does that have to do with anything? <laughs> anyway, to uh, to uh, Benedict Magnuson from Iron Radio, we do uh, offer congratulations. That's amazing, and I'm sure Andy Bolton will be hot on your, on your heels to kind of reclaim that title. So Yeah, they've got that. This will make that, um, what is it, later this year, isn't um, yeah. Bolton's deadlift challenge? Yeah. That's going so. on. That'll make that even all the more interesting. So. so it looks like, and it's pretty amazing when you think that the, um, the these guys are in a company of two people. That yeah. The other guy. I mean, when yeah. you think of you know seven billion plus potential deadlifters out there, you know when you're when you're lifting and your your only competition is one other guy, yeah. you're you know you're pretty doing you're doing pretty good, man. I don't know, man. I think Constantine will come up there and give him a run too. That guy's a freaking freak too. Well, you know there is several guys that are probably gunning for that too. But yeah. uh, as it stands right now. Yeah. There's two, so and they're you know and, and like I say, Andy Bolton. I don't think it's should be taking the line down. I think he's gonna you know he's gonna want to get that back. But it's interesting too because you, you know as opposed to talking about you know the bench and the squat, which are so so much um, aided by equipment and so forth. As we as I said before, the deadlift is not so much, um, not even near as much. So it's really interesting to see that you know you're you're going to see guys breaking the record more more than likely. You're going to see records being broken by you know. A couple pounds, maybe several pounds max, yeah. you know, as opposed to when you hear, you know, like, you know, a couple of years ago, the top guy equipped bench presser was doing, you know, you know, 900. And now some guy's doing 1200. So, you know, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those things where it's going to kind of go back and forth between guys, you know, two, three, four, five pounds, maybe five pounds, 10 pounds max. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's going to be fun to see, you know, and, uh, sure. yeah. I figured at my rate, of improvement. Fifteen years from now, I'll be up there ready to, to hang with them. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> how, how old are you, Phil? <laughs> I'm 34. I'll, I'll be 50 by then. Yeah. yeah, well, so. yeah if, you, if you're 34, I mean, Andy Bolton's 40 or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So I'm 41. Don't worry about it, man. Hey, our our own Phil. I, I believe in you, Phil. You're going over 800. I know you are. Oh, that's that's the next goal. Is that for sure? Yeah. I'm gonna go for 800 before I go for 1,016. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna go in little chunks. Here, baby like, steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> nice. No, congratulations from all of us. That was a hell of a pull. So I, I can't wait to see more. Yeah. Amen. Jude. So let's. Uh, yeah. Get let's. There. Uh, let's get to it with our guest here. And let's talk have. about you. Um, I don't know. Do we want to talk about women or or, or lift? <laughs> <laughs> well, I talk about that every day. You know, yeah. clearly my deadlift is nowhere near a thousand fifteen. I guess I'd have to lift that about three times to get <laughs> to get to a thousand fifteen. <laughs> pretty damn close to it. Um, we can talk about a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, well, we kind of started out. You you've. Uh, you said kind of who you were, but let's talk about it. It's kind of something we get into with all the guests. How did you get a start in the field? Uh, I got started in the field, um, actually just in the field of uh, training and you know being professional at it. Uh, through a lot of you people know uh, John Black. Um, he and a uh, exercise physiologist named Barry Herman. Uh, I'm going to think it's about six years ago they started this school in Cleveland. They called it the Cleveland Institute of Exercise, and it was designed to help anybody interested in, in you know kind of starting a training career. Um, it was, a, it was a course to help you get through any of the courses, the NSCA, ISSA, and so on. Um, as I remember, it was an eight-week course. We went to uh, school twice a week for three hours a night. And uh, it, it was just a fantastic course to be able to learn from John, who, as many of you know, was a world-class power lifter. And his, and his team, you know, back in the early 80s, uh, 
seemed to dominate the sport. Um, so I really had a huge advantage from the get-go, uh, learning from two guys like this. And then uh, about a year later, um, I don't know how many people you know, uh, Coach Dave Morgan, he's in uh, uh, Strongsville, Ohio. He introduced me to kettlebells, and uh, you know Dave wouldn't shut up about these things. And I had heard of them, but had never never touched them. And uh, he just kept going on and on. I go, all right, Morgan, you know, bring these bring these things in. You know, what do you got? And uh, he brought a bell in for me and one for him, and he put me through a workout. And he, he just damn near killed me. Well, the worst part of it all was Dave is 20 plus years older than me. You know, I'm 41 now, and uh, he was hardly breaking a sweat. I thought, man, there's there's something to this. Uh, you know, so through uh, you know under Dave's tutelage. Uh, he kind of got me going, and I just took the ball and ran with it. Um, and then here I am today, uh, moved from Cleveland down to Austin, Texas. I've been here almost two years, and things uh, couldn't be going better. Good deal. Um, so you want to talk about some things you got going on? I know you've been busy as heck. Um, what, what do you got going on right yeah. now? Well, things are blowing up down here for me. Um, yeah, I opened up the uh, Austin Underground Strength Academy in August, and uh, – you know, really all I had was about a, a 400 square foot studio, which then went to, uh, I expanded to 1,500 square feet. And then on uh, April 1st, I have an additional 1,500. So now I'm looking at 3,000 square feet of space. And I just hired, I didn't really hire him. Um, he's kind of a, uh, uh, a guy I'm taking under my wing, like so many others have done for me, and uh, giving him a space of his own to train with and uh, kind of getting him exposed to the world of, uh, of training and, and coaching himself, so it's a, it's a pretty neat program we got going out down here. There's nobody here in Austin doing what we're doing. Um, you know, some people at first blush may think, "Oh, this looks like CrossFit." Um, it's really nothing like that. Although we use a lot of the same tools, uh, my programs are quite a bit different. Um, in that we do we do a little bit more planned um, programming for each client. Um, it's not just a general. Here's a workout of the day. We're all going to do it. Um, you know, each person in my in my eyes needs uh, needs their needs to be met with and, uh, and and everything checked. So I, I don't do you know large group training. I'll maybe maybe take three people at a time, but primarily it's one and one and two people at a time. Um, if I'm if I'm working with athletes, say like uh, fighters, I'll take three or four guys at a time because I'm really comfortable in, in their uh, in their skills. But uh, generally, no, it's it's just one or two people and. Um, We've got a real neat program going on down here. Sounds like fun. You're doing a lot more seminars and stuff now. Can you want to talk about some of those coming up? Yeah. Um, back in January, uh, Kettlebell Concepts out of New York um, uh, invited me to be uh, their their uh, Texas State representative to uh, to begin to now train other trainers on how to properly use uh, kettlebells and how to train and program and, uh, and a lot about the history. So. Feel pretty lucky in that. Uh, not a lot of not a lot of people get that opportunity to actually train other trainers and coaches. So uh, I was really flattered uh, above all things, but uh, really taking the ball and running with it. So uh, we've already held two uh, two kettlebell certifications down here through them, and it, uh, things are things are just going gangbusters. Uh, we, we did an exclusive group for the Gold's Gym, um, one of them down here in Austin, and then I held my own at my facility uh, two weekends ago. Where uh, Coach Morgan uh, came down and we, we coached it together, and uh, so the seminar thing is going well. I was, you know, felt really lucky to be uh, part of the strength guild and, and being one of the full-time contributors. Although I haven't <laughs> had time to do a whole lot, um, but to be part of this group, uh, you know, these fantastic coaches and trainers is, 
again, it's quite an honor. So these are uh, these are a lot of things that I got going on down here. There you go. And to bring back our seminar again, you have hair right now, don't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you, you're <laughs> only you're only one of five people that are speaking at the seminar that don't have shaved heads. Yeah, you so. have to you have to get the obligatory uh, pre-seminar head shave. Yeah, there's boy to, to be in keeping with the. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the most mentions I've had is our flyer for that seminar. It has more bald people in it than than it has ever been on one seminar flyer ever. Well, you know, I I, I treat my hair the way Samson did. I, I need it. You, know, you guys have a. <laughs> No way have you got a ton of weight on me. i got to keep the hair. This is the only thing i got going for me. There you go. <laughs> Let's go ahead and take a short break, and uh, then we'll, we'll get in there and talk about the topic of the day. Fortress, what is best in life? If you need a break from listening to these barbarians and you want to read something intellectual, check out the library at www.ironradio.org. The feature article this month is about a conference that took place in Canada, an exercise physiology conference where the researchers were literally trying to answer questions like the optimal number of sets and intensity for maximal protein synthesis and muscle growth. There's other juicy material there like the effects of cortisol and adding more fat cells to your physique over time, how women recover better than men, and tons more. So if you're interested in reading as well as listening, check out www.ironradio.org and our article library. Thanks. I mean, we've been at this for hours. What if nothing happens? We're superheroes. Something always happens. Something always happens indeed. The Iron Radio co-hosts have been all over the web in a bunch of magazines, and we just thought we'd let you know about it in case you wanted to do some reading. Phil was in Muscle and Fitness recently. It's on the www.ironradio.org homepage. Uh, Lonnie was in Experience Life magazine, uh, Men's Health, Men's Fitness UK. I just did another one with Men's Health, probably coming out this summer, about uh, dieting uh, for physique purposes. Uh, and Fortress and Lonnie just did an article on guaranteed weight gain called Forced Anabolism for the T-Nation website. So just as with our article library, if you're interested in reading as well as listening to these guys, check us out. Okay, folks, we're back. Again, we got Jude Howe on the line. He's, he's joining us to talk, you know, talk shop, mainly about kettlebells, but uh, strength training in general. And, you know, Jude contacted me. We get to talk a lot, which... I'm very thankful for, but he wanted to come on and talk about the importance of not abandoning the the barbell when you're a kettlebell enthusiast. Jude, I'm going to let you run with this, and, and we'll all kind of uh, follow your lead. Okay. Um, I guess I like to teach a lot and coach a lot from my own mistakes and errors that I've made. Um, like I talked about earlier, when, when Coach Morgan introduced me to kettlebells, uh, you know, when I, when I discovered it, it fit me well and I was good at it, I ran with it, and I just completely abandoned the idea of, of the barbell work. Um, for one, um, the kettlebell, I felt more comfortable. I, I, my joints didn't hurt as much. Um, again, because I was good at it, I did it, and then when I was kind of sucky at something, I didn't do it. That's uh, one of Phil's favorite lines is the best way to suck at something is to you know, stop, stop trying it. Um, so if I say for about two years, you know, I don't think I even touched a barbell. And... Uh, 
I was getting really good at the kettlebell program, but then I noticed, uh, you know, I wasn't moving up uh, in progression to the weight. And I, I guess I hit a great level and better than average, but not overly better than average. And I couldn't understand why, you know, I was starting to uh, fatigue more. I wasn't able to continue with the longer sets. And I thought, man, something's wrong here. And then uh, I guess maybe, what, about a year and a half ago, Phil, we, we introduced to each other and even through Charles Staley, there was more, you know, talk of barbell work. And I go, you know, God, I, I haven't been with him forever. You know, where the hell is it at? And when I, you know, I went back to it, it was only a 315. And that, you know, I was at the time at 165. I was comfortably doing that for, you know, five or six reps. And I couldn't, I couldn't budget again. It was, it was tough. You know, one was my max. And I thought, you know what? As, as I do more reading and studying, you know, reading books like Super Training, um, you're not going to build maximal strength for the most part with kettlebells. And you, you've got to have that absolute strength base to get better at anything. Um, be it speed, uh, workload capacity, all these things. And I had to manage the thing that really got me strong. And I went back to it and I go, you know what, now my kettlebell lifts are getting better. Um, because a lot of the work we do with bells, it involves a lot of time under the load without putting the weight down. Well, that's all well and good, but you don't have the uh, you know superior strength base, all that's going to fall apart. Um, so I found it really necessary to get back to some of the heavier uh, heavier work that you can do with barbells. You just can't you know really deadlift more than 200 pounds. If, if you're lucky enough to find a couple hundred pound kettlebells, that's what you're going to get. Um, you can't move to four or five, six hundred pounds with kettlebells. It just doesn't happen. Um, you know, so the mistake I made was just oh, kettlebells the only thing to do. That's the only way to go. And I was wrong. And I kind of hope other people don't make that mistake. So I'm kind of hoping to pass that, that bit of wisdom, wisdom on to everybody. So so since then, you've gone back to, to barbell training. You want to talk about, you know, how, how do you mix those together then? Now, for me, I'll mix it in about two days a week. Um, and generally what I'll do is, uh, you know, kind of, kind of have like a bastardized version uh, of Charles' DDT program, which seemed to go well for me. Um, and I haven't quite started to do like uh, a Wendler was five three one yet. I, I haven't wrapped my mind around that one completely yet. So when I get to meet Jim, uh, I hope to pick his brain a little bit. So I'll put them in two days a week, and those will be my heavy, uh, a heavy day, or then uh, like a max day. And then my kettlebell stuff goes all, all around that. Um, and I'm finding all of a sudden my kettlebell lifts are getting easier. I'm, I'm able to do more work. Uh, in the same amount of time or go for longer without having to put the load down. Um, I'm noticing my back is getting stronger again and uh, and the leg work from the kettlebell stuff is getting stronger because I'm doing things like zerchers um, with the barbells and just deadlifting. I'm not doing a lot of benching. Um, it just always bothers my shoulders no matter what I do. Uh, so maybe I'll get one of these uh, big strong cats <laughs> you know, coming up in June to give me a few pointers. Um, so that's how I've mixed it in. It's, uh, it's not become overwhelming. It's been more, you know, I guess, a supplement to my kettlebell training. It's where sometimes guys who are more barbell-based will use kettlebells to supplement their uh, their training. Exactly. I think that's where it comes comes to the point of conclusion. I mean, people don't care. If you're a kettlebell guy, you want results. And kind of that's what we're seeking. What kind of, uh, you mentioned things are getting a little easier, but... You want to mention some specifics about how, how you've benefited from getting back to, to barbell training? Well, actually, uh, like 
through strength and some power development. You know, now that I do have this this additional strength, kettlebell power moves are becoming uh, becoming a little more fluid. I can do more at a time. A lot of things with with kettlebell work, you'll see like the GS sport guys, where it's a 10 minute long set of clean jerk without putting the weight down. Um, if you guys have never tried this before, you know, give it a whirl. Most people aren't going to be able to complete it for more than three minutes. Um, and to have that that additional capacity to me is to enable me to could actually train longer and longer so I can, you know, eventually if I decide I want to compete in some of these kettlebell sport competitions, um, you know, having that that extra strength or that, that max strength capacity behind me, I'll be able to go for, for longer amounts of time and then eventually move up uh, move up in the, in the, the weight for the belt. And the reason we're doing all this is to get stronger, not to just stay average. Exactly, and I think I think that's a big a big part of it. Um, you know, let's talk about where do you think? I mean, identify for us where the kettlebell falls short, and where the barbell falls short, if you want. Okay. Well, as far as the, where the kettlebell falls short, I think is like I said before, you just can't really develop you know a higher absolute strength. Once you get to a certain level with the bells, that's as big as they get. You know, with a barbell, you know, you can load that thing up. You just can't necessarily do it out of kettlebells. So that for me has been like, believe it or not, just a watershed moment. Like, well, Jesus, I can't, I'll never deadlift 400 pounds if I don't deadlift 400 pounds. You know, it's yeah. kind of the whole specificity thing. So that's for me where the, bar, where the kettlebell falls short. Um, you know, as far as the barbell falls short, I don't know that it really necessarily falls short. There are just some things you can't do with it, yeah. like, you know, the kettlebell. Um, you know, what I do like about the kettlebell, too, where I guess it has an advantage, is it's a great screening tool. You know, not where you can't do that with a barbell, but it's a really great screening tool. Um, check for imbalances in, in your clients or even in yourself. Uh, as an example, just say a, a double overhead uh, uh, position with the kettlebells. A lot of times I'll see clients and one bell will look like it's more forward than the other. Uh, generally, they'll look down and their hips will be uh, there'll be some rotation in the hips, so it kind of lets you see, um, you know, where the foundation is kind of screwed up. When you go all the way to the top, you'll, you'll see it leaning, or you'll see uh, some uneven. Uh, the bells won't be even at the top, so that kind of gives you an idea there where, as you kind of you know go down the chain, yeah. where the problem exists. Um, I found that to be a really useful tool. Would and then you, the unilateral work. Go ahead. I was just going to say, would you agree then? I mean. You know, I'm, I'm friends with Mark Ripito, and one of his big deals on it is, you know, the barbell is so great because it is incrementally incrementally loadable in, in small, you know, increases. And that's kind of where the kettlebell falls short, too. I mean, you can go from a from a 12 to an 18, an 18 to a 24, whatever it is. Um, but there's none of that micro-loading type stuff and easy progression. You know, I either got to jump, I, I got to make pretty good-sized jumps. <laughs> I you? totally agree. Okay. I agree. Now, the thing where I think these smaller, um, well, Mark's totally right. Now, with a kettlebell, again, because, you know, do they make heavier bells in the 70s? Yeah, they make an 88, and then they make, uh, you know, a 96, I think, and, and and so on. But I think maybe what Mark is talking about is when you start getting really heavy. Like we talked about this guy, 1,008-pound deadlift to 1,015. It's only six pounds, but, you know, good Lord, you, you're not going to make 25-pound jumps, you know, as your, as your 2,000-pound deadlift. So I think, um, you know, there's a great example of what Mark's talking about. So with the bells, you know, 20 pounds generally isn't that much, say, from the, 
the uh, the 24k to the 32k, or give or take 20 pounds. Um, you know, that's not a big deal. It is when you're trying to get that strong, but yeah, I, I, I agree with Rip when it comes to that. So let's let's say somebody's beginning this. Uh, we'll, we'll run through two scenarios. Um, you've got a person that is looking to be good at kettlebells. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend they do with barbell? With the barbell? Yeah. Are they already doing barbell work? Let's just say it's a, it's a basic everyday person. Um, it's okay. You know your average gym goer. So they've got a little. A little training okay. behind them, but nothing, nothing great. You know, it's somebody that you—they can come in, and they're not going to put up any awesome numbers. They know how to squat, they know how to deadlift, they know how to swing a kettlebell correctly. Okay, but that's about it. I, okay, I would recommend. Well, again, for me, and maybe I'm old school on this, but deadlift. I mean, <laughs> that's the only thing you ever do in your life: deadlift. Yeah. You know, that is the most—that uh, is the the exercise that just translates and transfers to almost every damn thing we do. It's the, the beginning of, of a barbell clean, barbell snatch, uh, even with the kettlebells. You've got to pick something up off the ground. That's how we move as human beings. So I always recommend, you know, let's teach you how to deadlift, kind of teach you some hip hinging, which in kettlebells is huge. It's getting people comfortable with, you know, getting their hips behind them. Um, you know, posterior chain in this country is, I mean, they're just so weak here. Or I don't think in the Eastern, uh, Eastern European and Russia, I don't think that's as much of a problem. Not that I have any research in front of me, but from what I understand, in the West, everything is such a, you know, so dominant by, dominated by the front that the deadlift's going to help with posterior chain development and strength. Um, and again, because so much kettlebell work is posterior chain, let's build up that, you know, that, that max strength or that absolute strength with, with the barbell work. Um, I like the Zercher squat as well, um, but I like to begin people with a goblet squat with a kettlebell, then progress into a Zercher. Okay, let's go vice versa. Let's say you've got somebody that wants to be uh, a great barbell lifter. Let's say you got somebody who, who's who's in the same position, uh, experience-wise, and they want to be a power lifter. How could they use a kettlebell to 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 better their progress? Well, what I like about the kettlebell a lot of times is I call it the. Uh, you know, the, the zen of exercise, not that some of the other ones aren't, but you've got to be really focused. You just can't start flinging the kettlebell around. Um, I think that you're you're going to be doing things right. It, it, the kettlebell teaches a lot of great intramuscular coordination. Um, and as you begin to do things like heavy deadlifts, you know, you've got to kind of, your sexual nervous system has to be, you know, queued up and it's got to be involved. And I think the kettlebells do a good job of preparing the body to do that. Um, you know, kettlebells are good for, you know, your power work, you know, more explosive work. Um, so I think it's kind of like this circular argument where one kind of helps the other and so on and so on. Um, and I think I, uh, for me, a lot of it has to do with this, this, uh, this neural education, you know, teaching the body how to move properly. Yeah. I think once someone has a pretty good base of kettlebell work, um, you know, their workload capacity, you know, is, is usually pretty good, um, and their power endurance. So now let's go back to the power lifting stuff to then enhance your kettlebell stuff and vice versa. It's just um, it's a good way to cycle through, I guess. I gotcha. Um, I don't know where else to go with this. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just your kind of it, – it's it's good to hear this from, from a kettlebell person. You, you normally hear – 
you normally hear people that are just all it's kettlebell or nothing, you know. And you're, you're telling these people, you know, you are actually taking this as kind of like we always say, it's just another tool in your toolbox, and you can use these other tools to make that, you know, if you're a kettlebell guy here. Look, don't ignore this stuff. You've got more tools over here that make you better at kettlebells. Um, exactly right. And it's a matter of looking at it like you do. Um, your barbell work is your assistance work. Whereas me, like if I'm out there doing kettlebell swings, that's my assistance work. You know, things right. like that. It's just a very refreshing a refreshing attitude to, to hear. Yeah, Especially I, coming I what it, from, some, yeah, from someone that's instructing it. Yeah. And that's I think that's that kind of, it does blow some people out of the water, but... You know the one thing about the kettlebells that is fantastic is it's a, it's a it's a great tool for the total novice. But once you get them uh, under you know uh, get their skill level up, there are a few things if you only have one tool that can do just about everything. And I think that's where some of the kettlebell enthusiasts and even instructors get. Oh no, this is the only thing in the world to do. And let me tell you, it's a great thing to do. It's one of the best um, training tools I was ever so lucky to come come in contact with in my life. And it's made a great living for me, um, but again, it's you just you can't use only one tool. You know, you have to build with a lot of tools. Um, you know, so I think you know some of my brethren do fall short when they say it's the only way to go. It's a damn good way to go, but you know, you still need some help along the way. It's like um, I, lo- I love Dave Tate's famous quote of, uh, you know, it's easy to go from shit to suck, and then you know <laughs> then. then then from there, it's sucked to good. But, you know, if you're going to go to good to great, you've really got to get in that toolbox and dig around. It's going to take a while. Um, yeah. You know, it's, you've got to be open to other stuff. And, you know, you're completely right. And, you know, one other, one other nice thing about the kettlebell, I guess you asked me where the barbell falls short a little bit or the kettlebell does. You know, the kettlebells are most, most resemble the things we use in our life every day. You know, whether it's your suitcase or a duffel bag or your bowling bag or anything like that, where that center of mass is outside of your grip. And most things that we deal with in life, the center of mass is not always inside your grip like it would be with a barbell for the most part. Um, there's a lot of momentum used with a kettlebell where the barbell, you're not, you're not so much using it as, as often. Um, where with kettlebells, momentum is encouraged. A lot of times it's not with the barbell on a lot of traditional, traditional movements. Um, so because it most looks like it resembles the things that we use every day, that's why I think it's great for the masses. I think that's why the Russians, you know, way back when began to use that as a training tool for the masses. It was efficient. Um, everybody could learn it. And it really taught you how to move in space um, and how to move uh, with speed and dexterity the way our, our leverages are designed to move. Um, so I think that's where, you know, where a lot of my, a lot of my kettlebell uh, uh, comrades, if you will, well, then they'll, they'll make that argument every time, and they're not wrong, but they're not completely right. <laughs> Rob, you got anything to add in here? Not really, because uh, I I can honestly say I don't think I've ever even picked up a kettlebell. <laughs> I see them on the floor, and, some, and like yesterday, um, I was you know, I kicked I kicked one out of the uh, power rack I was going to use for my uh, benching, but. <laughs> no, I, I, and I'm not putting bet down kettlebells. I mean, I, I, Phil can tell you I'm really not. Honestly, it's just I really don't have much experience with them outside of just you know hearing experts talk about them. And like I say, I see them in the gym all the time, but usually they're just in my way. So 
I'll just yeah, a lot of grab, people feel that way. And I'll just grab them, the handle with my foot, and kind of throw it off somewhere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you don't even want to. Yeah, you don't even want to touch it, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, if, I, if I bend over, it's wasting energy for the dead thing. <laughs> no, but I mean, it, it all. Work? In all truth, like I said, everything has its application. Everything has, a, you know, an advantage if it's used properly in the right, you know, in the right framework. And um, and like I say, anything I know about it, I've know because of you know experts who I've spoken with or listened talk, and you know, and I've seen some you know quote unquote experts using them. And uh, like I said, I don't think there's anything not necessarily applicable with their use. It's just uh, my experience using it has been nothing. So I, I really don't really have that much to add <laughs> really well you know a lot, a lot of people won't use it because once you see it like if you watch someone you you realize there's quite a bit of skill acquisition just like olympic lifting like if you haven't done that you're probably not going to go mess with it until someone really shows you how to do it um and most work with kettlebells is all submaximal. you know it's work over time which is you know essentially how we as human beings move and how you know for generations that's that's how our labor was was kind of designed, um, but yeah. So if, if someone's a max like max strength guy, most of them they're probably just going to think it's just not for them, um, and it may not be, but it is something that, that can help. Yeah, I think that's that's a great thing. I mean, it's and, and I don't know if it's, it's worth another topic of another day, but you know, how far do you go outside of your realm? Um, <laughs> You know, to be a power lifter, how much benefit do I really get from, say, you know, getting real damn good at swinging a kettlebell? You know, is it a how much of it is a waste of my time, and how much of it is is actually progressive for me? Well, when you're when you're when you're so caught up in specificity um, and trying to push the envelope or your own envelope, you only have a very finite amount of yeah. energy and recuperation. And I think what that's kind of what you're alluding to, Phil. Yeah. Um, and that's why that's why I want to make the point that I in no way am coming down on kettlebell training at all. I'm just saying that there's so many things that could have application if used in the quote unquote right way. Not even really knowing what that is, but it comes down to just. But you know what I mean. It just comes down to you know yeah. your available time, your available energy, and your recuperation. And I mean, you know, it could be argued for a, you know a hardcore powerlifter that you know maybe. You know, maybe jogging a mile a day might help with recuperation or something. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that, you know, it all comes down to just, you know, what we have in the tank and what we can spare. Um, and sometimes you're doing nothing but trying to just fight to recuperate to get in to do your next set of, de- you know, next deadlift session, let alone going in the gym and starting to throw kettlebells around and maybe I'll do some, sk- do some uh, you know, uh, jump some rope for a couple minutes and, um you know, I'll go over here and do some yoga to stretch out. I mean, it, it's just so many things that, that are available to you that ultimately sometimes I think people, if you try and di- diversify too much, you get too far away from what you're doing and, and dilute the energy that you could be spending on what it is that you're going for. But again, it depends yeah, on how... people don't know what they're going for. Right, well, and, and that really is the thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, it, again, I'm talking about something that's very specific. I mean, Correct. you know, we've discussed this on the show many times, Phil and, uh, of course, lines on here but you know phil know that we've mentioned this in the past i mean if you truly want to be a fit and healthy person you probably the last thing you should do is probably be a you know very a, a purist power lifter or yeah. a purist i, I mean exactly. probably that probably the healthiest people out there are probably the weekend warriors you know the guys yeah. who do well during the week you know i'll stop by the gym a couple times and on the weekend i'll go and play some tennis with my friend and oh yeah my wife wants to go swimming up at the lake on sunday 
I mean, you know, those are probably the healthiest people. I mean, you know, we're we're talking about Benedict Magnuson. I mean, you know, in his in his very specific corner of the universe, he's very fit. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, alluding to the jackass who said, you know, the, the guy's fat and he can't run a marathon. I mean, again, it's 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 you know, it's it, it's it's what do you want? If you don't know what you want, then I guess your options are more um, open. <laughs> yeah. but if, you know, if, if you know specifically what you want, then you have to again. You have to um, maybe trade off some things that might actually, in the, you know, overall be healthy for you, but trade them off for just the understanding that you do have finite energy, you do have finite recuperation, and you have finite available time to actually be in the gym. Exactly, and then we're talking about again specificity and you know just how far you yeah. take it, and that's it. I mean, I've written about it before. You know, people say you know. Benedict, oh man, I saw him walk up two flights of stairs and he got winded. It was like, well, good, that's that's okay. It's a good thing he doesn't have to walk up two flights of stairs when he deadlifts. You know, he just has to go pick up something <laughs> fucking heavy. Right. You right. know, that that's apples and oranges. You know, who cares if he gets winded? You know, the guy can pick up a, a, over a thousand pounds. Um, well, you know, here's here's the thing about that that I always like to tell people is, you know what? If he decided he wanted to start running marathons, he could. Yeah. Like, if you decide, you know, because this guy is so goddamn strong, what people don't get is strength is, is that central hub. Yeah. Everything else comes off of that. If you take, you know, I always I always made the comment, you know, when the shit hits the fan, who are you calling, a marathon runner or the strongest guy you know? Yeah. And it's interesting you, you say know? that because I was actually going to use an analogy there saying that I think it was, and again, I'm, I'm talking in generalizations here, but I think it would be much easier for a power lifter to, you know, to make the transition to being a long-distance runner than it would be a long-distance runner to transition to being a class power lifter. And I mean, and, that, and again, close. I just want to make the point that I'm not putting down marathoners at, in the least. I'm just saying that you're, you're right. Fundamentally, from a physical readiness standpoint, um, I, I don't think there's too many people who, who know not something about any of what we're talking about that would, you know, deny that. No, I, I got one more statement, and then I, I want to uh, I wanted to run something past you that just came to me here. Um, you know, uh, on this topic, it's, um, you know, one thing I always say, and I just want to see if you guys agree, strength-wise, um, maximal strength is always a lot longer process to gain. But once you have that, like, Jude, you quit deadlifting, and you were doing 315 for five. You know, you quit for how long? If I said two and a half years, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Maybe yeah. even three. So you came back, and sure, you'd be able to do it for five before, but now you could still do it. It was hard, but you hung yeah. on to most of that. Um, you know, maximal strength, it, it's its hard gain but hard lost. Whereas mm-hmm. endurance capacity, right. you know, if I start jogging today, uh, it'll suck. If I jogged every day, by next week, is like, eh, this doesn't suck quite as much already. Absolutely. You know, it's that endurance capacity comes on a lot quicker. And if I take this strength I have, I just gain it back faster. And that's where I get these people that are wrapped up in the, the endurance and the, the work and the amount of time. It's like, sure, okay, well, let's get you stronger. You're going to lose a little bit of that because that goes away so quick when you're not. If you're out there jogging a 5K every weekend and you uh, you stop that, of course it's going to go down. It's going to go down pretty quick. But if we get you stronger and we do a little bit of running, we can maintain some of that, and just that strength that you gained over time. When you go back to running your 5K, that's going to come back real quick because that that strength Correct. attribute that strength attribute comes back quickly. Whereas maximal strength, it, it takes so much longer. And you know, if, for, for the listeners, our listeners who are more you know into the physique bodybuilding end of the iron 
you know, weight training spectrum. Um, it, this whole thing kind of reminds me of a quote once from the, you know, two-time former Mr. Olympia, Frank Colombo, um, many years ago. But anyway, 76 and 81. But anyway, that's just a geek in me talking. But he, uh, the, the, he once made the statement that, um, it's very easy to see the people who kind of are the pumpers and the people who are the heavy weight trainers, you know, amongst bodybuilders. And he was always saying, you know, the guys who are the pumpers, you know, they, they, they step out of the gym for two or three weeks and they lose like a lot of that, you know, that muscle bloat. Whereas, you know, guys who, you know, are fun, you know, have kind of based all their training, the bodybuilders who have based all their training on heavy lifting and the compound lifts and who really kind of forge the muscle through, you know, intense, you know, heavy effort, um, their muscle is much, much less to, dis- you know, disappear with a couple weeks, a few months even of training. And I, I mean, over the years, I've seen that many, many times. I've seen a lot of high, high level, even professional bodybuilders who, um, of course, a lot of this can be, you know, attributed to drugs and so forth. And isn't it ironic that a lot of the, you know, uh, pumpers rely more and more on drugs? But, you know, I mean, these guys kind of, you know, they, they do the Olympia or something like that, and they back off for two or three months to, you know, recuperate. And it, it they just, they evaporate, you know. And conversely, you can get a guy who, like Dorian Yates, who, you know, while a lot smaller than he was, and I'm sure he's still using some sun packs now and then, but... Um, you know, he's retained a lot of his thickness and density. Um, and if you look at the, tra- yeah, if you look at the training styles of him versus somebody like a flex wheeler or something like that, you can you can actually see that that that, that statement really does hold true. Oh yeah, I, I've always told people strong gives you more options, no matter what. I'd I'd love being to stronger, see. Go ahead. No, just again, being stronger gives you more options, and you know, you talked about the endurance thing, Phil. From what I've studied and read, that you know, your VO2 max is, is kind of a, a genetically predetermined. Um, you can only kind of get so high with that. Yeah. And usually with about three months or so of, of aerobic training, you kind of hit that peak. Yeah. You don't get that way with strength training. No, I mean, there's always another another pound or two to pack on that bar. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's a neat thing. I mean, we can go back to, you know, Mark Rift. I don't even know if he's published it yet, but it was doing some stuff with, with the guys over at West Point and, some along the lines of he got them to get dedicate a, a platoon or something like that, and they just they stopped all their their push ups and running and stuff for a month or some crap and put them on a basic barbell lift. They all gained fifteen pounds and at the same time knocked a mile off their five mile run, or knocked a minute off their five mile run. Yeah, yeah, without without running, and you know it's just yeah. the guys were heavier yet they were running distance faster. Um, I just love I, I just hate getting mixed up with those crowds that. I can't stop the endurance stuff because it'll just go to hell. And it's like, I'd, I'd love to see even a small group of these people just stop and do the bare minimum. Do, do some strength endurance once a week and, and get stronger for two or three months and come back and let's see where you're at. Um, I just, I know because I've seen it happen. They, they progress from getting stronger. And I don't know, you're seeing it more and more today. There's a small sect. Nobody will deny that. Those of us who want to get strong are definitely in the minority, um, and it almost seems less now. Um, sure, yeah. we're we're jaded because we're in we're always around these people that want to be strong, but uh, you know, it's uh, strength is a, is a real neat thing, and it bleeds into the rest of your life. But the the thing I want to touch on real quick, and it just our talking here made me think of it. Do you think, Jude, that powerlifting 
or basic barbell training and strength is more beneficial beneficial to a kettlebell enthusiast than say kettlebell work would be for a maximal strength athlete that's already strong. Probably yes. Um, again, reason being is again depending on what your goals are. Yeah. You know, your power lifter is already super freaking strong. Yeah. And if he's a power lifter, he probably wants to continue on power lifting. Now, if you know down the road the guy you know uh, gets some injuries and it kind of prevents him from from doing that power lifting more, yeah, I think kettlebell training is an awesome way to go because you can still push yourself tremendously with these things. But I do think that a power lifter, even an Olympic weight lifter, oh wait, how am I, a kettlebell person could definitely benefit, I think, more so from a power lifting um, addition or supplement to their training. I know that's, you wouldn't call it that necessarily, but that style of training. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think so, Phil. I don't think that uh, that's something anybody would come down and go, oh, you're crazy. And, yeah. you know, Really, I, I think it because it just when you're looking at, at you know this 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 max strength, this this absolute strength. Once you've got that, again, you have more options. So, and I mean, we don't have to keep it down to kettlebell. I mean, just let's say you're like you mentioned earlier, it's it's strength displayed over time. You know that Correct. crowd, that crowd, if they generally, I think, would get more benefit out of some kind of even if it's one day a week of dedicated strength work than, say, I would trying to get an 800-pound deadlift from going in there and seeing how many swings I can do. Uh, oh, there's no question. Yeah. It just doesn't transfer uh, <clears throat> because, again, you're, you're talking such sub-maximal load for you. Even if it's a you know, 106-pound bell, I mean, really, if you swing it 20 times, that's great, but this is more power endurance, and you're just really going for one rep max. I yeah. They just don't. You know, and then maybe if you're in, in, a, in, a, in a down... Uh, like a deloading type phase, or you're more of a you're taking a couple weeks off, but you still want to stay active. God, my God, they'd be great. Yeah. But again, um, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with that. Oh I, yeah, and, and we're talking extremes, you know. If can, we're Correct. again, we're talking, Correct. we're talking somebody that has found their niche. This is what I want to do. Um, Correct. Yeah. I think for your average person, though, um, for your average weekend warrior like Rob was talking about, I think a mix is mm-hmm. is a much better approach. You know, you oh, yeah. should have a really big toolbox and try them all out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just I just tell people to be careful. Don't get that exercise ADD and want to be everything all the time. Yes, and that's um, what most everybody has. Yeah, uh, I love it. I would love it if everybody could. I'll use CrossFit because I've been around them a lot lately. Um, you know, I think it's great for the fact that it introduces people to so much different stuff. Mm-hmm. But at that point, it's like, once they've tried it all, you know, of course some of them are going to say, man, that running shit sucks. I want to do this. Yeah. And yeah. and that's that's where I, I'd love it if everybody made it to that point where they say, okay, I've done it all. That heavy mm-hmm. stuff, I love it. That running stuff, yeah. I love it. And, and, you know, you'll get a new kick in your life when you find out what you really enjoy, be it kettlebells or running or picking up really heavy things. And just tell yourself, it's okay. I don't need to do the other stuff. I'm going to do the stuff I really enjoy and feed right. into that 100%. So. Well, I think people will find better results in, in their, as I use the term, fitness life, which will translate to their, you know, to their everyday life. Yeah. Um, I think they're chasing their tails in their training as much as they are in, in, 
in their professional lives. Um, you know, that's one of the things I do appreciate about the CrossFit culture is that they're trying to promote that, that, that physical culture, you know, like uh, the Russians used to talk about. Yeah. I just, I'm a little bit opposed to, you know, everything done at all costs. Yeah. Ridiculous oh, yeah. Um, There's a lot I don't Other than that, correct, but I, I do, I can appreciate generally what they're trying to do is introduce people to, to you know, do some really impressive, you know, physical feats with, yeah. you know, barbells and kettlebells and, and all that. Good stuff. Um, we've, let's go ahead and mention that seminar again, just to really drum it out there. I want to get people. Yeah. I want to sell this thing out because we're only we're only getting sixty five seats, and you're really going to never. I mean, if you went and spoke with Jim Windler for one day by himself at his seminar, it's like three hundred fifty dollars to get into Jim's seminar. I went to one of them not too long ago. Um, you're getting him plus me, who's I mean I'm priced. It'd be three four thousand dollars a minute for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know, you're and aren't you aren't you aren't you debuting your new single at the at the event too? Yeah, I am. I am me and well, it's not a single. I'm doing a duet with Paris Hilton. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be good. No, but what I'm what I'm just getting at is it's a hell of a value too. Um you're getting 15 of the greatest minds anywhere and four, 10 of them are bald and plus mine. Um mine. And yeah, and you know, it's two hundred and fifty dollars if you're a member of Strength Guild. You get fifty dollars off. So there, you got two hundred dollars, and we get to go to Vegas. We get to have a good time. We get a lift. Um, right now on the docket, we're already talking about the seminar is going to start at like nine. We're going to come in about seven thirty. Those of us that want to, and the people are are able to come in early, and us big hairy bald guys are going to get in a deadlift session, and you guys can just sit back and watch. Um, some big How to do a bunch of swings while you guys do that. Exactly. Or you can you know, deadlift your 22 pounds cattle bell or whatever your max is. Hey, hey you know, I got to get rid of I got to get rid I got to get rid of some of these 8 by 10 glossies too, man. I got you know, so, I mean, there's a chance too. How often do you get to go in a room and you get to see all these guys? I mean, there's at least four of us there that are competitive power lifters. And we're going to go in there and lift. And you can sit there and watch and, and bring questions after that. Is there going to be a squat rack there? Oh yeah. Oh well, I'll do a squ- I'll do some squatting. Rob will get in there and squat like a thousand for four or something like that, and um, yeah. you know wherever you're at right now, something amazing. So um, no, it's June twenty second. My my goal is to squat till I throw up before we start the seminar. Nice, and then just you'll to, just to set the tone, man. Yeah, that'd be yeah. good. I'll deadlift till I poop. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be good. <laughs> so. Um, no, June 22nd, coming up here, um, go to strengthguild.com on the blog. Click on Meets and Seminars, and it's going to be your first thing that comes up right now. If it's not, it's right there on the page. It'll be one or two because um, I'm constantly adding stuff on there. Um, feel free to drop me a line. If you have any questions, drop me a line. Um, once we get more people signed up and this and that, I'm going to be getting a hotel where we can get rooms blocked out, things like that, and contact a buffet and just see if they can hold up with all of us. Um, we're going to have to have some mean cooks there. But uh, it'll be good. We'll be able to yeah, slaughter there's, there's, our own cows. There's a lot of there's a lot of really good minds going to be at that course. Everybody, yeah. if, you know, you're you're kind of Plus on the fence. I mean, Ian King and yeah, and Phil. But you know, <laughs> if you, just to sit in a room with Ian King, probably and, and Wendler would, would be enough. Um, you know, and Mark Bell. You know, he's he's developed that slingshot. I mean, these are some yeah. pretty innovative thinkers and uh, and bright minds and guys who are really passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. You learn from passionate people, so you know, don't. Don't miss a great opportunity. It's, uh, 
you know, get your butts out there. Yeah. So, Jude, thanks for joining us. It's been fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on now with us. We appreciate it. Hey, it was nice meeting you. Talk to you soon, boys. Yep, talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. IronRadio.org bloopers and outtakes. Stop this recording. That was good. That was good. Rob, you still there? Back, kid. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I'm hearing. I think Rob left. Are you? I think I thought I still hearing. Oh, Rob, are you still breathing? Yeah. He ran off to take a poop or something. Um, <laughs> no, so that, yeah, that was good. Um, okay. It was, you know, this, you were so point and blank, and you came out there with all the stuff right away. We didn't have anything to reach on, but I think we made it to some other good stuff after that. So it was it was excellent. Um, it really is refreshing to hear because I don't know how many times I've heard it. And I think that message got mixed and lost somewhere because, I mean, I've met Pavel and, and talked with him, and, you know, the guy was a 600-pound deadlifter. And people lose yeah. that somewhere. And it's like he, he, yeah, it's like he didn't get that from lifting kettlebells, people. You know, he lifts other things too. Um, yeah. And it's like you know, use all these tools and and get damn good at something. And we'd like to also announce that with our 100th episode, we're going to offer that caption contest on our Facebook uh, listeners page. So go to Facebook. The Type in Iron Radio. Look at the pictures of Phil and Rob. We're going to have a picture of each of these guys. And caption the photo. It should be fun. So, again, go to Facebook, Iron Radio listeners page, and tell us what Rob and Phil are doing, at least in your head. should be fun, and you'll win a prize if we choose you as the funniest caption. Thanks. For the best sports nutrition information on the planet, make plans to attend the 8th Annual ISSN Conference and Expo, June 23rd to 25th, 2011, at the Westin Las Vegas Hotel, Casino, and Spa. We'll have the latest on creatine, beta-alanine, protein, nutrient timing, and much, much more. So, for more information, go to www.theissn.org. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.